Welcome to Practice Perspectives Keen Insights, where radiology meets heart. I am your host, Diane Keen, and together we'll explore the world of radiology. Join us as we engage in insightful conversations with expert leaders throughout our field, offering honest and open discussions that will resonate across the industry. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Keen Insights Podcast. I am your host, Diane Keen, and welcome to the first episode of the new year. Today, our guest is the Chief Operating Officer of ARA Imaging in Austin, Texas. ARA Imaging consists of 17 imaging centers, 24 hospitals, 115 plus radiologists, 714 employees, and the one and only Debbie Brannon. Debbie, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the Keen Insights Podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about the conversation this evening. I appreciate you being here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I um, have been in radiology for a little over 40 years. Um, my, no, I don't believe it. I I know. Yeah, I, I was young when I started, but not too young to have started in the business. And, um, you know, I've held positions that ranged from revenue cycle management and payer contracting to business development and strategic alignment and and marketing, and most recently took the job of chief operating officer. So I'm having the time of my life. I am in this space where I feel like everything that I've done for 40 years actually has just led me and landed me in the best position, and I'm having a blast. I'm so happy for you. And I'm so excited about your position. You know, you and I have known each other for, I, I'm afraid to guess how many years. I know that it's been over a decade now. Yeah, I was going to say 15. Yeah, I think it's maybe. It's been a minute. <laughs> it has. And I've been, you know, we've we've worked together on various projects. And of course, our relationship um, formed with the RBMA. And I think like so many of us, I, I think I say this every time I have a guest on, but so many of us met through that organization. And I, I am so gracious, you know, so grateful to be part of that because it brings me to people like you. And I'm so happy to know you again. So happy that you're here. Let's just jump right into this. So Debbie, one of the things that I want to talk about, and one of the things we'll be looking at a little bit throughout my series this year in our, in my Keen Insights podcast is just really looking into senior leadership in a lot of our practices and looking at, you know, C-suite level leadership and what goes into that sort of leadership and how that affects or how your perspective as a um, leader in the organization um, trickles down. And, and what I really mean by that is I want to talk about your perspective on, and really let's focus for the sake of this conversation, because there's so many things we could talk about with you and with ARA and with just the industry as a whole. But I really want to kind of talk about the operations related to imaging centers today and just radiology in general. I don't, we don't have to just limit it, but let's start there and let, let's use that as a starting point. And in your experience, and especially now, I mean, you've been around, as you said, 40 years and you've seen radiology evolve. Um, from what was once a wet reads and paper to the um, technological world that we live in now and the technology that just drives the the innovation in our industry. But tell me a little bit about what you see as some of the challenges to operations um, that we face today in our imaging centers. 
Sure. Well, you know, I live in Central Texas, live in Austin, and um, in particular in our market, but I'm sure that this is true in other markets as well. It's what I hear from our colleagues in the business. Um, you know, we're growing really fast. And that on top of the increased demand on medical imaging, you're seeing much more application. You're seeing much more demand on the industry. Um, keeping up with that growth carefully, strategically, efficiently, profitably um, is a real challenge. And uh, it, it requires a, a strong strategic leadership team to really be thinking through those things and balancing the headwinds that you have along with the opportunities that you might bring to the table. We're also facing some pretty serious radiologist shortage in the nation. And recruiting and retaining radiologists is where we're spending an enormous amount of time these days. And, you know, what you're faced with there is, is really a lot of adaptability because we're having to think differently about the practice of radiology um, across the board, not just in outpatient imaging centers, but also in our hospital-based client locations. You have to think a little differently than the traditional uh, radiologist sitting in a chair in a reading room in a hospital. And, and that can be quite challenging. Um, and then, you know, everybody, you, you hear this not only in medicine, but everybody is facing staff shortages. It's an interesting conundrum that we're in when, when the population is growing in this community, but it continues to be difficult to hire support teammates. And in particular, in particular, in an outpatient imaging center where you have highly skilled staff that are doing MRI scans or their interventional radiology technologists that you're using in your outpatient-based lab. Or in our case, we've entered into the world of theranostics, and that's a very specialized um, treatment in um, the molecular radiology space. Um, so those are the big things. And then layer on top of that, that we are facing every year, year after year after year, um, payer contracting reimbursement declines. And those are happening from the governmental payers as I mean, across all payers. And so as it's getting more expensive to practice medicine, we're having to to really battle the fact that reimbursement continues to, to decline year over year. And so those are pretty strong headwinds. But even still, there are so many opportunities for us. And there are so many strong leaders in our practice that there's lots of brainstorming and great ideas and um, energy to find efficiencies so that we can continue to move forward and look for innovations. And I think you've brought up a good point there with, um, well, a couple of things first. Yes, let's just hit those pain points again. And you're right across the industry, across every practice that that i see and meet and talk to and touch. You're right. We have the same struggles right now. And I think at the top of everyone's list is that shortage of radiologists and the recruiting efforts that everyone is going through. And it's, you know, there's a limited amount of of radiologists available and there are a lot more, um, there's a lot more need and a lot more demand than there is um, the workforce there. So, so many people across the country and from what I understand beyond are really struggling here to make sure that we are um, able to get these studies read and these patients can be diagnosed and we can get answers to, but you know, the patients, the referring physicians, our hospital partners. And I think the demand that creates on 
the operational staff in imaging centers or in hospitals or wherever we're providing that imaging is just the demand is strong and it's heavy and it's hard. And we're all facing not only a lack of physicians, but like you said, we're, we're struggling with techs, finding techs, finding front office staff that we can keep and train and, and have, we talk about the efficiencies. And of course, when we have staff, we're fully staffed and we can be efficient and we can pay attention to everything. It makes it easier to run a center, but none of us have that easiness right now. It's all hard and it's all um, we a lot of people are facing these shortages. And I'm sure with your practice and you're trying to do this in, in 17 different outpatient centers, how difficult that must be to keep staff, to retain staff. And you mentioned just the operational efficiencies there. And I think that tell me a little bit about in your practice, you know, we we look at workflow and we look at how we're doing things because what we see is if the workflow is running smoothly, then that's going to make your your employees um, happier. It's going to make their days much more efficient, which is going to trickle down to the patient and the patient's experience. And I think I know you. I know you well. You're like me. At the end of the day, what happens with that patient is the most important thing to me and that patient's experience and that patient's, you know, you're you're place in that patient's journey through whatever they're going through that led them to your imaging center. So no matter what we do, no matter the shortages, no matter the frustrations, we have to keep it running for those patients. So tell me a little bit about when you look at the way that your centers and your workflow is going, what are some of the challenges that having efficiencies help? For example, what I mean by that is, again, maybe what I just mentioned in terms of your staff. If you have a, if you have workflows and you have the technology in place to support that, and you have employees who can get their job done without the hiccups of inefficiencies, mm -hmm. again, we get closer to a, a happier patient, a well, a well-oiled machine. When we look at the efficiencies within your centers, and when I say your here, I'm really mean radiology at large. I'm not specifically asking you to talk about one, you know, specific center, but as a whole, as an as an operational leader in a large group of imaging centers, it kind of falls on you and your your fellow um, leaders and operational directors to make sure that those efficiencies are in place, to make sure that workflows are optimized in order to take care of the patient, but also in order to take care of your staff. Can you talk a little bit about how that looks and how it how it looks when things are going well and how hiccups in those um, less efficient systems might create the trickle down bad days turning worse or experiences not going as well as we would like them to go? Sure. So, you know, I think that when we look at what is important to our practice, it, it starts with the patient, that the patient is at the top of the list. The day begins and the day ends with the patient. And then everything that happens in between the beginning of the day and the end of the day, or the beginning of the patient's experience and the end of the patient's experience defines what that is for the patient. And so we have, um, in all aspects of our practice, we've actually taken every step of a customer's journey. And that might be a patient, it might be a referring provider, and it might be a hospital client. We use the Lean Six Sigma process to identify where there's waste or duplication, and and in that process, when we identify that there's an opportunity to make an improvement, then we go look for technology that might make, make 
might make that a little bit smoother or easier, or even just take five or 10 minutes out of the process for the patient. Are we asking a patient to sign documents twice? You know, I mean, it is amazing how many times you find there's duplicate steps in the process. And so I think really taking a long, hard look and then evaluating what technologies might be in place. And what we found is that there's always something to answer a need. Um, and, and there's always creative ways to, to make changes and to enhance even systems that you have, like even just going back and looking and applications that you have and making sure that you're optimizing them that makes a big difference. And then we track that all the way to the point that the re results are sent to the patient and the referring provider. And uh, we look at efficiencies at the radiologist level. Um, how can we make how can we make their day more efficient and, and investing in some technology that will streamline and make that process of, of reading, interpreting cases and dictating reports faster for a radiologist just so that they could get to the next person that they need to help in the process. Tell me a little bit about your staff in terms of training. How are you um, optimizing that training process so that you can get, as staff turns over and as you hire new people, to get them up and going as quickly as possible? Yeah, well, we have a pretty robust training program inside of ARA. And so people go through a pretty intense orientation. Um, and then we have application specialists for every application that we use that trains the, the new employees as they come on. And then we also have remedial training. And you can, we actually, we use a system that is an online learning system and you can access videos and do some ongoing training if you, if you need sort of rem remedial training. And then we have leaders at every one of our imaging center that, that are experts in that and, and make that make their time available, obviously. And employees are buddied up with mentors. And, um, you know, so it's, it's just, it is an ongoing and forever training process. Um, one of the things that we have really started focusing on lately is, is really making sure that we have a cross-sectional representation of staff across our entire organization as we develop programs, roll things out, um, deploy new technologies, make sure that the right people are involved to make sure that the process is most efficient. And then we do something called, um, well, we have a, a whole group that says, has everybody pushed the green button? And everybody has to push the green button before we go live on something. And so, and then it's just over and over again, we relook at all of the processes and continue to train people. Nice. Very good. Um, tell me a little bit about your tech staff. Um, and by that, I mean, you've got, obviously, uh, you mentioned Theranostics and the highly trained nuclear medicine techs that are having to do that. Tell me a little bit about that in your center and how that's going. Well, it's going really well. It's an exciting new proposition for patients who have some pretty severe metastatic disease with cancer and are and are kind of at the end of the opportunity to for treatments. And, and a lot of times this is um, offered as a, as a way to make patients more comfortable. But this technology, this medicine has the um, opportunity to be pretty significant in the treatment of cancer moving forward. Super excited about that. But, you know, when that started in our imaging center, we knew that that was going to be a molecular radiology technologist who's going to, to help to administer the treatments and take care of those patients when they're in our imaging center under the direction of our molecular radiologist. And we offered the training to them and we partnered with the people that could 
give us the expertise and train them. And we we work really hard to make sure that we um, take advantage of the staff that we have internally that are looking forward to learning and doing new and different things. Um, I don't think you're going to find a better candidate than inside your practice if they're good employees and they want to be part of your practice. If they're excited about something new, then um, we're happy to train them. We have training programs right now. We're cross-training CT techs to become MRI techs and have a full-blown, well-developed education program. And we have four technologists that are going to enter into the MRI training program because you can't hire MRI techs right now and you can't find pet techs right now. So we're taking just a, 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 not just, but we're taking a nuclear medicine or molecular radiology technologist and we're training them to do pet CTs as well. So, um, you know, we have worked hard with our radiologists and with our other expertise and experts in the practice to develop programs and um, continue to run those um, through the entire practice. We hire x-ray technologists and then train them to be mammography technologists. And, you know, that does a couple of things. One, it answers a need, right? I have patients that need, I I have patients that need tests done. Um, The other thing is, is that it really does help the engagement of your technologists. They, it changes your culture when you give them an opportunity to learn and to grow. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, from a teammate perspective, we want them engaged and we want them committed and staying with our practice because there's nothing more expensive than turnover, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, you're you're also a perfect example of that. You've grown and you've had opportunities within within your role at ARA to take you to where you are now, which is fantastic. And the fact that you can see that now as a leader and, and create those pathways for your employees, no matter, I'm sure, what seat they sit in, that there are opportunities to continue to grow and to thrive. And you're right. Um, it is hard to find staff. Keeping staff is crucial. Turnover is expensive. So the fact that you are the kind of leader that can help perpetuate that um, growth and individual growth of your teammates, I love hearing that. And of course, it does not surprise me at all about you or the way that you and your colleagues do things. Because again, I've admired you and I've admired your practice for a long time because it's it is really just a very um, respected practice, but also there's a heart there. And I think that anyone who knows ARA has um, had an opportunity to feel that heart in some capacity or another. And um, I don't know if I've ever um, done a podcast where I haven't said repeatedly, I work from my heart because I do and I can't. I'm, I'm, I used to apologize for that when I was younger. I used to think that working from the heart made me appear weak or not as professional. But the older I get, a lot of things get better as you get older. But I know with me, one of the things that has gotten better is just I'm unapologetic about that. And I do work from my heart. And when I I recognize that in others and in other people and in the way that your practice um, takes care of the patient and the staff, I've always admired that. And I've always felt like ARO is a very heartfelt practice for that reason. Um, Debbie, tell me what, um, what advice would you give? other leaders in our space who may be struggling with how do you balance all of the pain points? How do you balance recognizing the need maybe for efficiencies or for a new technology to take care of of those pain points with the constraints that we do have with budget, with the fact that reimbursement is down 
expenses are up, when it's time to make these big changes as a leader, I, you know, I'm sure that you face challenges in prioritization. And where do you find the balance of, and, and I know it's a team effort. It always is with, with the leadership team. It's, it's not one person making the decision. But when it is time to make these, these changes or to recognize that there is a need, but yet we have budget constraints, how do you balance that and, and prioritize what might be the next biggest thing on the list that you have to take care of? Yeah, I think it's a mindset as a leader. I think that you, I think you really have to be able to identify what are the first things and you have to put them first. Um, and, and for us, it's always about the patient. And so you, we prioritize things about what's going to make the biggest difference in terms of clinical value and, and the patient outcomes. And that, that literally is what drives those decisions, both at just a conceptual perspective to say, what's the concept? What do we think we're going after? You know, we, we put that first patient is at the very front of this. And, and then we have to, of course, look at the reasonableness of adding something to the practice. And, and it is a balance and it is a collaborative effort and it takes every ounce of energy that you can get in leadership to come to the table to talk through those things because each of us brings a different perspective and a different idea of what would make the biggest impact to that clinical value when we're looking at opportunities. And so, you know, I think just bringing together a good cross-sectional team that has representation across the practice takes into consideration all of the values of your organization, keeping the patient at the center of that. And it's not always easy, but for us, it really has not been it's it's a simple it's a simple answer. It usually is a very simple answer, not always easy to carry out, but right. when, but but when it's a simple answer and when it's rooted in your culture's value, it it does make it easier to to select which route to go and where right. to spend money and how to optimize that. That makes perfect sense. One more thing, and I know that with your history in business development and leading the business development side of things, I know that we have some things in common there. And one of those things is understanding and appreciating the um, metrics and data and using data to drive what you're doing. And I know that's something that's been a big part of your work. Tell me how you use data um, in your role to help guide your work and help guide the operations of your practice. Well, those people that know me know that everything I do is driven by a spreadsheet, a chart, or a map, um, because I start with measuring where we are. You know, when you want to measure your, you want to measure your success, you have a, have to have a baseline, and so we start with a baseline, and that baseline has to be based in data. It can't be somebody's you know, gut feeling or instinct, or I think. Um, and so every time we look at um, a situation and try to identify a problem that needs to be solved, we, we start with the data and let the data prove it. Um, what is the patient outcome? What is the patient experience? What is the cost of opening a new imaging center? What are the demographics of that imaging, of that market? Um, what are the demands going to be? And we use, we use the data for every decision that we make. And literally every time somebody comes into my office to ask me about a decision, I ask, what does the data tell us? 
And we start with that. Um, obviously, we start with the patient in the front, and then we look at the data that supports the, the problem or the idea or the solution, and we let that drive us to, to our answers every single time without yeah. fail. <laughs> no, that's good. Especially again, I talk about working from the heart, but you do have to balance that heart with the hard facts and the numbers and the data will um will speak for itself. Right. Debbie, I love talking to you. I could I think I could do this for the whole night. I do want to ask you a few questions just more on the personal side though. And we've talked a lot about work and about the numbers, but I want to touch a little bit again on just your career trajectory. And here you are well into your career in radiology. I think, you know, we've been in it a long time and you are leading this, this successful large practice now. And you've just, you started as a young woman in the business and, and worked your way up. And I know that it's not always easy to do that. And I know that we always face challenges, but tell me a little bit about just that career path that led you where you are now and some of the things that you have a special interest in, tell us a little bit about Debbie Brannon. Sure, sure. Well, you know, the career path, um, you know, medicine didn't choose me. I didn't choose to get into healthcare. Um, I, I think it chose me. I mean, I, I landed in a job. It, it wasn't that I said, I'm going to go into healthcare administration. Right. I landed a job as a very young woman. I was very passionate about doing the work and wanted to do it well. And I'm a, I'm the kind of person who just wants to learn more and wants to, to do more and love to see a team around me succeed and have been very driven, driven in that sense. And I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by people that supported me in that and believed in me. And I think that's such an important thing for leaders in general. And, but in particular young leaders who are looking forward to a career and kind of thinking what they want that to, to look like, to be surrounded by, um, you know, we kind of talk about, are those my people? Um, but you have to identify your people. I mean, we have our people, right? We have our people that have really supported us and um, encouraged us and sometimes challenged us um, and, and, and kept us moving forward. And I've been really fortunate to just have opportunities presented to me and been brave enough to take them. Um, and sometimes it wasn't a, it wasn't a little jaunt that I thought was going to pay off in the long run. But yet what I do know is that you just don't know for sure how it's going to play out. And sometimes the thing that you think is not the best thing for you, turns out to be the very best thing for you. And that's been the case for me a time or two in my career. I know that I've always looked up to you um, since I met you, and I know a lot of our colleagues do. You've been one of those shining lights to a lot of us. Um, at it, I'll use, I mean, myself, obviously, I can speak for myself, just watching you grow and watching, you know, I, I want to be Debbie Brandon when I grow up. Um, we're not that far apart in age, but it's just your your stature, I think, is more of it than, than that is just really appreciating everything you've always brought to the table. And I know that ARA is so very fortunate to have you now um, right up there at the top, um, along with your, you know, your other senior leaders, but I, they couldn't have a better person in that role because you just, um, you do work, um, yes, from your spreadsheets and yes, from your data, but definitely from your heart and from a place of really just wanting to give back and wanting to be a mentor. And it just, 
every that shines through you and I just I admire you and I appreciate you being here Thank this you. is something that um I had someone ask me recently you know how do you how do you choose your guest or who are you talking to here and it certainly is I do I'm talking to the best and the brightest in the radiology industry and I'm fortunate enough that I have access to the best and the brightest through just through my history, but that when I look at the people that I admire and I respect in this industry and I get to bring them here, but I also get to call them my friends. I just, I couldn't think of a better um, way to spend my time and a better way to um, do this podcast, but by having guests like you who just mean the world to me and, and not just me. I mean, the industry as a whole, you've just been a bright light to so many people in the industry. And I just thank you. I love you. I am so happy Thank that we could you. spend some time together. Tell me, let's see, if, I, if you could give one piece of advice to some of the young folks out there who are, say, some of the, you know, I know some of your teammates and some of your um, staff there at ARA, and some of them are um, also, uh, young women who are bright and strong and growing. And to those women and to others out there, what kind of advice would you give them in order to be like Debbie? Well, I, I think first off, I think that we need to um, be our authentic selves. And so, yeah, yes, we have mentors in our life. And I love the opportunity to mentor young people that want to grow their careers. But I think a huge thing is to just be true to yourself and, and um, understand that you are special. Um, but in terms of advice, you know, just practically speaking in our business, I think that success comes from the people that really spend the time to understand the business. Yes. Um, know the business, understand the business, know the headwinds, know how to navigate through tough times and how to celebrate the great times. Um, surround yourself by people that love you and take good care of you, promote you and do challenge you because, uh, you know, I've told so many people I never grew one bit in terms of expanding my horizons or learning lessons from my comfy chair. My growth came from the hard times in a career where you're faced with very difficult challenges and hard decisions and uncomfortable space. Um, and, but it's been amazing. You know, every one of those tough spots has a silver lining. And so remembering that it will get better when you get through it, be tenacious and go for the things. And sometimes remember that you may think that this little turn you're going to take on your career is not a great thing for you. It may be the best thing that has ever happened to you. Um, and so open to possibilities. That is such a great perspective. Absolutely great perspective. Um, I would I would definitely echo those sentiments. I think um, also I, I one of the things that I encourage a lot of the younger um, folks who come to me for advice too is to get involved and to stay involved. And we started off this by talking about the fact that, you know, organizations like RBMA or, and others, associations within the industry, um, SIR, OEIS, SIR, all the, all the, all alphabets. the, all the yeah. acronyms. Yes. It's um, true. It's it is, true. Isn't it though? I mean, the, the resource there is tremendous. And I think that, you know, one of the things that I appreciate the most is the relationships that you build through organizations like that. I mean, obviously it led me to you. It led me to a lot of our, our colleagues in the business, but I think that, you know, being able to to 
take advantage of organizations like that in order to find your people, to find your like-minded colleagues who just have a love for this radiology space and who are um, just by default. I I think I've never met anyone through that organization who hasn't been willing to help or willing to listen or willing to pick up the phone and say, yeah, that's happened to me before. Here's how I can, you know, here's what I did. Mm -hmm. And again, I think that's a, a big part. And then having again, mentors like you and I've, I've, um been fortunate now that I've had the chance to mentor some of the younger people growing in their radiology careers. And it really does um feel good to be on the um on the side where you can be someone that maybe you never had at a younger age. I know that I really didn't at a young age in radiology. To, so to be able to be that person for some of the young people, I, I've really found some yeah. um a lot of fulfillment in that. Is um, it isn't it true that um your heart feels so much better when you're helping somebody. I mean, it feels great when somebody reaches out and helps you, right? I mean, it feels amazing when somebody cares enough to reach out and help you, but to, I don't know, it feels better to me to be the one reaching out to help somebody else. It is just such a fulfilling thing. I agree. Um, And and it helps us to get outside of ourselves when we do that. It does. Yeah, for sure. It's why I think it's why volunteer work is so important, whether it's in an organization like the RBMA or a not-for-profit that helps a particular cause that you're interested in. I mean, it it can fill it really can fill your heart. It does. It absolutely does, without a doubt. And and mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. Debbie, thank you. Thank you for being on Practice Perspectives Keen Insights. I um, appreciate it. I know that our guests will enjoy listening to what you've had to say and learning about what you've done um, with yourself and with your career at ARA. For our guests watching, thank you for joining us and please tune in for future episodes of Practice Perspectives Keen Insights. Be sure to subscribe and if you don't mind, give us a review. I would greatly appreciate that. It helps us grow and helps us do better. Thank you and we will all see you next time. The Practice Perspectives Keen Insights podcast is brought to you by Abidocs, a platform of workflow solutions built to optimize radiology practice operations.